Hello everyone, welcome to the SciCast podcast second season. My name is Ashton Noon and this podcast is about psychology and mental health. But this time with a new season, we have a new topic, which is life in healthcare and the process of getting there. This will range from therapists to sleep medicine professionals to medical students, so make sure to stay tuned. Hello, welcome to the SciCast podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Paolo Odo. He is a general dentist in Connecticut who specializes in dental sleep medicine. Graduating from Tufts University of Dental Medicine, he has also a postdoctoral fellowship in family dentistry and teaching. I also know that you are a food connoisseur, an excellent chef. Uh, you've taught me many things regarding Italian food. But anyways, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> How did you become interested in sleep apnea and dentistry? Well, you know, two different reasons for dentistry. Mm-hmm. I always loved uh, medicine and science, my father being a medical doctor. But I was I always loved working with my hands, very right. intense. Mm-hmm. So I had um, I did everything as a kid, including making my own golf clubs, making oh. my own uh, fishing rod and wrapping the thread around the fishing rod and even making my own lobster traps. So oh, I see. Not exactly, not always the fine motor, but, well, actually, mm-hmm. I shouldn't sell myself short. It required a lot of fine motor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just it kind of made the connection. Plus, we had a next-door neighbor at our beach house who was a dentist, and he always seemed to be, make just as good a living as my father, who was an obstetrician and ecologist, and mm-hmm. always had a lot of time to himself. My father was always gone. <laughs> I see. Always exhausted, you know, having mm-hmm. to go in the middle of the night. So I put two and two together. Oh, this might be a nice. My father was very <laughs> encouraging, <laughs> and it might. I might actually have a little time on my hand to use those fishing rods and those golf clubs, unlike my father. So that launched that. But so far as sleep apnea, mm-hmm. you know, many people who are clinicians have they suffer from many of the afflictions that they specialize in Mm -hmm. and uh, it really transforms them that's what it did for me of course i didn't really realize i had sleep apnea i just knew that when my father was just starting out we didn't have very much money and all three of us were sleeping in the same room Mm -hmm. my brothers who were 12 and 13 and a half years older now (laughs) were like these snoring giants (laughs) it's like living with like hagrid from harry potter or something two (laughs) hagrids They were just so loud. And they weren't necessarily overweight, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. They were not overweight at all. But um, I remember later on falling asleep in the library of my uh, prep school and waking up and everyone was on the other side of the library with a big smile on their face because I was snoring (laughs) so loud. So never really put two and two together until I did my postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I had a brilliant dentist named Andrew Ponectera. He wasn't just your mother being an orthodontist. She'll tell you these people are some of the most brilliant people in our field. They're maxillofacial prosthodontists. They make um, I see. They make the obturators. They make fake eyes, fake ears, parts of the face to replace people that have accidents and have oral facial cancer. Mm-hmm. And he had a PhD from the esteemed Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. which is the very top medical institution in the country, along with Walter Reed. And he also went to Tufts Dental, but way, way before me. 
And he, when he went to assign us our topics for our research, for our presentations at the end of the year, he assigned me sleep apnea. And it was funny because I was like, why the heck did you do that? Well, who wants to do a presentation on sleep apnea? Uh-huh. So he says, I'll tell you why after you give the presentation. So at the end of the year, I did all the research and I, I was just absolutely blown away about how many health consequences that sleep apnea, you know, exactly what it is, how pervasive right. it is, and just exact how many health sequelae, I mean, really is similar to diabetes, which <laughs> can be caused by sleep apnea. It oh. is one of these silent killers that gets you in a death grip. So at the end of the presentation, just to wind up the story, he says, mm-hmm. he says, well, I, I notice how, you know, you moved back in from Boston, be back into your mother's house. You're putting on a lot of weight. You're coming in for a morning meeting and you're falling asleep right off the bat. Then if we had a lecture at the end of the day, you were sleeping through, the, practically sleeping through that. He says, so I just want you to be aware that, you know, he goes, you most definitely have sleep apnea. I've seen your breathing. <laughs> so it, it's interesting. It's like the astronomer that knows the universe, but he doesn't know his own inner universe. Right. What kind of additional training did you need for like sleep apnea as a dentist? Well, in the early days, because I started doing the, I did the appliances very early on. I think mm-hmm. your mom may have even been like in college at the time, <laughs> <laughs> maybe high school. But I was making the appliances and I had learned through the dental lab. But then at one point or another, I said, well, they really did not have a formal training yet. Mm-hmm. So I just learned the way a lot of good dentists learn. I Talked to every doctor, called up every doctor that I get a name of that, that was doing the appliance and had been very established in the field, although there weren't that many because it was early on. And then I went through the lab and the lab had direct, you know, it was a direct conduit so you could communicate to the doctor who had, you know, designed the appliance. Mm-hmm. So I went through that way and I just, you know, being a very voracious learner when I get on the, the track, like most people, right. uh, that have ADHD like myself, I can mm-hmm. hyper focus, and all of a sudden I have you know great mind power. So I was right. really, really worked very hard at it, mm-hmm. and then eventually when they started the residency, that's where I met your mom. She sat right next to me. Then I took the residency at, at Tufts. That is a formalized training where they teach you the the etiology or causative agents. The anatomy behind it, the pathophysiology, and then eventually they teach you about the treatment. But it was very interesting, the the Mm -hmm. residency. You don't have to take the, you could just take the exam and get certified, but it was, I wouldn't have done it any other way. It late in my career in my 50s, it was just fun meeting people from all over the world Mm -hmm. and meeting people and uh, learning and learning from them. So that's, there's two ways to become a dentist trained, especially trained. And one is to just study for the exam Mm -hmm. through the material furnished by the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine, or to take one of the approved mini residencies. It was kind of funny, your mother, uh, Mm -hmm. not to keep bringing up your mother, but I remember (laughs) sitting next to her. I Uh started talking to her as if she were like a student, like like a little kid. Uh And I didn't know she was one of the teachers. I'll tell you more about that story. Uh-huh. But that's a, that's what that comment when we were in the car going for lunch that time mm-hmm. about uh, thinking that she was just a young kid and so forth. And I said, <laughs> "Well, 
I said, Audrey, that's not exactly an insult. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, given like how, I guess, prevalent sleep apnea is, and like, I mean, you had it, you, your family had it. Do you think there's enough like training or teaching curriculum in medical school or dental school? Well, that's actually an, that's actually a superb question. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think that there is because uh, even I talked to my cardiologist that I'm certified and I've made over 250 appliances and so forth, and he just kind of you know turns his head like a little puppy when you make a noise, like the orienting <laughs> reflex. It's like you're a cardiologist. How could you not know about? every single modality of treatment that's recognized for, for sleep apnea. So mm-hmm. I think that there's awareness in medical school of how important sleep apnea is, how pervasive it is, and how there should be much more awareness of it. Right. I just don't know. You know, there's two parts to the problem. One problem is, is medicine has to become more preventative than curative, and that's a big problem. And I think dentistry does too, to a, to a certain degree. But then, so far as the awareness of the oral appliance, mm-hmm. I mean, even my went for a uh, endoscopy colonoscopy about eleven years ago, mm-hmm. and again I got that same look like a little puppy dog turning their head <laughs> from the anesthesiologist. And we learned about the, mm-hmm. the the thrusting of the jaw from the anesthesiologist because they do that when the patient is in a light sleep and they go into apnea. They just grab the jaw, they hook it. It's almost like they're grabbing a fish. <laughs> you know, like a large fish, and they pull a jaw forward, and the, the pulse oximeter just goes boop right up to, you know, 99 or 100. So, you know, the, the, even the, the anesthesiologist didn't know what a mandibular appliance was mm-hmm. 11 years ago. I mean, it is, it's, it's kind of an embarrassing problem. I was on the National Sleep Foundation Ad Hoc Committee for Sleep Awareness, and we talked about this, and mm-hmm. I just don't know when, how we're going to get the word out on oral appliance therapy because it's, an extremely successful treatment for sleep apnea when you consider that the compliance level for uh, CPAP is abysmal. So, uh, yeah, no, they should have more training. They should have more mm-hmm. training in medical school. I have actually given lectures to the Yale residents, sleep oh. residents, and they were actually pretty up on the oral appliance just because their director, Meyer Krieger, who's one of the foremost authorities, but the reason why he was is because he's originally Canadian. He's from McGill and University of Western Ontario and in other mm-hmm. countries, like like your mother does research with the Italians, like Pirelli and everything, they're mm-hmm. they're just so much more attuned to this the, the the efficiency of the oral appliance therapy and how what a what an, a very important part of the treatment it is. Whereas I think in Perhaps in this country, everything is dictated by the insurance company and corporate dictated. So it's an interesting problem that we're facing. It's very multifaceted, but mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully we'll overcome this, you know, information block. <laughs> right. And I guess in addition to like oral appliance therapy, I know that there's a lot of like new wearable technology, as my mom called it, or like apps and like those kinds of things they can put on your uh, wrist. How have those affected the sleep field and like what kind of impact well, they, they affect them in a positive way mm-hmm. and there are some downsides too i see you know, the, the positive side about wearable technology is that it it, in, it gets patients people more involved in knowing the problem mm-hmm. okay knowing what their oxygen saturation you know if their oxygen saturation is 
below the, the acceptable level on the average and they feel like garbage, well, mm -hmm. they're probably going to make a little, they don't, you don't have to have a medical degree or a science degree to, to yeah. understand that you the cells in your body are not getting proper oxygen. They're not metabolizing right. properly. Yeah. You know, maybe not at that level, but you know, in very simple language, the brain and the heart are not getting oxygen and you're having mm -hmm. some problems. So yes, so far as the, Wearable technology that tells you the pulse oximetry, uh, you know, the, so far as the oxygen that, that's coming into your body and getting dissolved in the blood, the interruption in your sleep. Mm -hmm. so many times, you know, you're not aware of how many times you wake up or the interruption. And then again, if you feel like garbage, you know that, well, you may think you got a full night's sleep, but you got anything but. So the wearable technology is great. Mm -hmm. If it's understood properly and used properly, I think that the, maybe the possible downside is, is that it might make patients feel like they could be their own diagnosticians and their mm -hmm. own doctors. Right, right. And then say, well, I, you know, I, I just have to take some more melatonin and I'll feel Because uh -huh. you know, there's a lot of that that's going on. And social right. media and the Internet and social media are horrible. It's a, they have these medical doctors that are like personalities you know medical doctor, <laughs> yeah, know, even a dentist, we should be yeah, we should be out saving lives we shouldn't be talk show hosts right we right. shouldn't be we shouldn't be showing people how to shop for bananas at the supermarket you mm -hmm. know that's not a proper utilization of a, of a doctor but you know you have these doctors that say oh well take this olive oil don't eat this nut eat that nut you right. know it's ridiculous so people they get carried away and they think they could be their own doctors. And you really, this is uh, even the dentists that are highly trained. We're, we're not medical doctors. We're durable medical equipment suppliers mm -hmm. for this and uh, for the, for these devices. And it, you know, you really need to be under the, the aegis of a medical professional trained in sleep medicine. So, right. Yeah. I guess uh, over awareness affects, sleep too huh and like in a i had a different uh interview with uh like an indonesian like in influencer but he was talking about how there's like over awareness for mental health in indonesia like people are like diagnosing themselves with like every uh, every known uh like mental health issue out there and it's like kind of a whole fad but yeah i guess well that the, with mental health that's a, that's interesting you should say that we, we because we're such a freudian society we tend to you know, it's interesting. The American Academy, without besmirching a, a respected profession, mm -hmm. they started out in 1950 with maybe two or three diagnoses. They maybe have about three or four thousand diagnoses. So, <laughs> if you look at yeah. the span of diagnoses for these, you know, uh, behavioral scientists mm -hmm. and doctors of behavioral science, it's amazing. You have everyone falls into some type of spectrum. Right. So then, the more information—that's a perfect example. Like with the uh, with the, the, the devices you were talking about, the wearable mm -hmm. devices, you know, the more awareness you have, it's great because you have more awareness. But then people that aren't trained in making the diagnosis, they're like, oh, yeah, I have this. I have defined. My kid has defined <laughs> disorder. And this and, that. and you probably see when you go to school, there's mm -hmm. some kids that are practically ruined because they have overzealous parents or yeah. or uh, teachers or counselors that are like, oh, yeah, this is you have that and you have this. And that's very interesting. That ties into your mother will tell you about pediatric sleep apnea. Pediatric sleep apnea presents paradoxical to 
adult the manifestations of adult sleep apnea. Adult sleep apnea manifests primarily as the upward sleeping scale being you know sleepy during the day. Mm-hmm. But ch- pediatric patients present paradoxical. That's my term. They're, you know they pair they present as hyper irritable, lack of mental concentration, confusion, mm-hmm. irritability, all the hallmark signs of ADHD. So there are, I'm sure you're aware of this, your mother's made you aware there's a really a problem with children being misdiagnosed as ADHD when mm-hmm. all they need is they need to sleep better and they need right. to have either their tonsils or adenoids out or, or maybe a palatal expander or whatever, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful way of opening up the airway. So then again, there's, there's just so much misinformation. There's so many people that are overzealous just get to the darn doctor. Let the mm-hmm. doctor do the work. Yeah. The messages go to the doctor. Okay. The messages go to the doctor. Yeah. The <laughs> medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a toothache, go to the, you know, the dentist, you know. Dentist, or, yeah. Yeah. There's Although the, the, the dentist, trained dentist such as myself or your mom, whatever, all our colleagues, ABDSM, AADSM, we all are, can make a, like a primary diagnosis to, to, in order to triage someone to get them to a sleep test. Right. So you can go to your dentist too if you're sleepy mm-hmm. and not feeling well. I see. Yeah, uh, we just don't uh, procure the definitive diagnosis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, screen you. Thank you so much. I think that's it for our time today. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with me. I really love talking about sleep. We're not talking about how to make cacio e pepe or how to pick a good guanciale for. We didn't talk about cooking at all. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, I I remember using the. We'll do another interview. Of course, of course. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. It's always always a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much to Dr. Paulo Odo for joining me today and letting me interview you. I would love to hear more about sleep from you in the future. And of course, in another interview, discuss the food topics that we didn't get to talk about this time. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll see you all.